0: Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Tharson Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's podcast, we are going to be talking about some games from over this past weekend, uh, Winnipeg versus, of course, the Arizona Coyotes, and then a game against the Colorado Avalanche this past Friday. One win, one loss, two very different paths to, uh, well, let's just say the outcomes were a little bit strange. You might say the scorelines were expected, but how the Jets arrived at each uh, ending result, you could say, was pretty shocking. We'll break down the when, where, why, how, and who in just a little bit on tonight's Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets Hey friends, welcome to Locked On Jets. Before we kick off tonight's show, I just wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and very soon, YouTube. We'll be having some regular video content each week, so be sure to stay tuned for when that actually starts to roll out, and I'll be sure to announce it on Locked On Winnipeg Jets Twitter account as we start doing more and more video podcasting. As I mentioned at the uh, the starter for this episode, I wanted to talk about uh, two different games. We'll talk about the crappier one first. Uh, not that either game was particularly great, but the first game, I, I think, you have two very different approaches uh, to this first game, and this is Colorado versus you know Winnipeg on the road. Uh, And, of course, the Avalanche, they're always expected to win. The Avs are a true Stanley Cup contender. The Jets are very much on the opposite end of that spectrum. And uh, just with the way that the Avs play, you usually know that Winnipeg is often very vulnerable to their style. The Avs are fast, they're aggressive, and sure, they may not exactly defend as well as you would expect, and and the goaltending might also be a little bit of a question mark if they have someone like Fransos in that. But at the end of the day, it's really hard to bet against a team that has McKinnon, Kadri, Rantanen, Landeskog, and so many other amazing pieces. You know, you look at that defense with Girard and, of course, uh, Kale McCarr. There's just so many ways that Colorado can beat you, and there are very few weak links on that team. That's kind of why the first period of this game completely caught everyone off guard. You know, the Avs were obviously fast and playing pretty aggressive hockey, but the Jets had a 3-0 lead before you knew what was happening. Uh, Winnipeg seemingly capitalized on some really great chances. There was uh, some really good fortune from a few crazy shooting angles. I think Lowry even had a shorthanded goal. This one off of an amazing individual effort where he basically uh, passed the puck to himself almost through the neutral zone and sort of blew by three or four av skaters down there and then streaked uh, streaked down the ice, somehow found himself in a breakaway, and then just sort of wristed it over uh, Francoise's left shoulder. Hopefully I'm uh, pronouncing Pavel's name right, but uh, yeah, I mean, that that sort of individual effort is not something that we've ever really seen with this team. You know, the only guy who can usually pull that off is maybe Kyle Connor, uh, but Adam Lowry doing it, pretty crazy. Pierre-Luc Dubois might be one of the other few players who can sort of muscle his way through and also have the hand-eye coordination to pull that off, but, you know, I, I think it was a, a due reward for a period where the Jets, they were actually pretty all right. Um, They were going toe-to-toe with Colorado, creating some really good chances in the slot. I thought Winnipeg was fast, aggressive. I I thought that they handled the Avs pressure and counters pretty well. It wasn't perfect. You know, Colorado was still going to dice you up, and towards the end of the period, we saw the Jets. They were starting to capitulate against the pressure, which is not super surprising. But look, you know, for a team that frankly needed a win and was looking for some kind of inspiration, a 3 nothing first period against one of the top teams in the NHL is no laughing matter, especially on the road. It's it's nothing to sneer at. I was actually a bit impressed that the Jets were putting up this show, and I thought, you know, even the things like zone exits were looking pretty good. So, you know, the mood was up, things were feeling pretty good, and, you know, the Jets headed into the locker room with a 3 nothing lead, which... Would anyone have predicted that coming into this game? No. But the thing with Winnipeg is that oftentimes, once they have any sort of a lead, they start to sit back. And we saw that towards the end of the first period, where the Jets kind of let off the pressure a bit, and Colorado, I think, sort of recognized it. You know, score effects kick in, you start chasing the game, you start taking more risks, you get a little bit chancier, maybe an extra pass or two that could technically result in a turnover or something in a counter, but... With the Avs understanding that Winnipeg's foot speed isn't great, they were, you know, starting to do the Harlem Globetrotters passing routine against this Jets defense. And I sort of felt like, you know, the second period, Winnipeg was going to have to come out and make a bigger statement. You know, after such a good start to the game, I, I wasn't entirely confident that the Jets could finish it out. We all know why. I mean, we've seen over the years the Jets have any sort of lead and it quickly becomes a deficit. I hate to put it in such blunt terms, but the Jets just don't really hold leads, and with the way that they were playing, I, I wasn't super convinced. I will say that I thought Connor hellebucket was fantastic in that opening period. He made a ton of really difficult saves. He was tracking shots well. Colorado was trying to create chaos down low in front of him, which is something that a lot of teams really struggle to cope with because the Avs have such quick puck movement, they have really fast skating, and they have really good vision and understanding of space. So if there's even a small bit of pocket where they can create chaos and then find a perfect cross-lot pass to make it a uh, an easy go-ahead goal or even a tying goal, Colorado just always seems to find that opportunity. So for me, wasn't feeling super confident It seemed like the Jets were starting to maybe slack off a bit, lose that that competitive edge, and Hellebuck was at one point the only reason that it was still 3-0 in favor of the Jets. But even with my misgivings about the lead, I still wasn't quite prepared for the next 40 minutes of hockey because what followed after that was probably the kind of stuff that, if it wasn't Dave Lowry and it was another struggling coach, you might have seen somebody get dismissed from the team because... What the Jets did for 40 straight minutes after that first period, it's nothing short of embarrassing. And it's its really hard to be that upset. I mean, there's a lot of other things out there going on right now, so I'm not going to light into the team. But in just a little bit, we're going to talk about why Winnipeg ended up blowing this game badly and what it says for the direction of this franchise when you take a look at one of their top competitors and how Winnipeg really never stood a chance. Before we talk about the rest of this game, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market and can help you with those pesky New Year's resolutions. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your New Year's plans. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to built.com and use promo code locked15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code locked15 at checkout for 15% off at built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the built way. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, be sure to check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. We are circling back here to talk about the second half of Winnipeg versus Colorado, which was a very... Uh, Frustrating game. I mean, it wasn't super shocking that the Jets ended up losing, but I think the way that it happened, it caused a lot of friction in the locker room. Um, Jeff Hamilton was asking Captain Blake Wheeler about some stuff, and Wheeler kind of bristled. I mean, there weren't many answers that were going to come out of a loss like that, and at the time, I think only Pierre-Luc Dubois and maybe one other player addressed the media. might have been Josh Morrissey. No one else was really provided to the reporting staff right after the game. And so the responses over the weekend, they were uh, a little bit feisty, to be honest. And I think the Jets are kind of in this weird state of not really knowing what's wrong, even though, you know, if you ask them privately, they probably have a pretty good sense of the major issues. It's just no one really wants to admit it. You know, if you say stuff out loud, it would point a lot of fingers, and I think the Jets aren't super comfortable with that because they've always tried to maintain this image of an idyllic uh, organization and that things are, are running smoothly, but let's be honest. I'm sure some guys are pissed. Increasingly, we're seeing more vocal um, frustration from some of the players, which is not really what you want to see, especially for management and the front office, but you know, that's kind of where Winnipeg is at. In the game against Colorado, I think it was a very good illustration of why the Jets are so far behind. You know, Colorado started using its speed, its skill, its passing, its vision, that back-end mobility, and Winnipeg spent almost the entire period inside the defensive zone and really couldn't generate a lot offensively. And just like that, at the end of the second period, it was tied 3-3. You know, you could say that there were some lucky deflections, uh, maybe a goal here and there that you would... Not really expect to go in under normal circumstances, but thanks to a very helpful deflection, maybe something beat Hellebuck from a crazy angle, but you really can't complain about the scoreline. It was completely deserved, and from then on, it was just pretty much embarrassing. The Jets got routed, and it continued into the third period. Winnipeg just really didn't have any answers, and by the end of the game, Winnipeg had lost like 6-3, to three, which, yeah, um, a little bit depressing, honestly. I thought the the first period was the most exciting uh, 20 minutes against Colorado they've probably played this year, and then they just sort of crapped out. I I think it shows why Winnipeg's roster right now and the construction of how the team is is formatted really doesn't suit the modern game so well. You look at the abs and how fast they are in transition and how smooth they are in changing assignments, rotating players, and uh, flexing roles, and I think it makes them such a dangerous, versatile squad with all of these different uh, scoring options that the Jets don't really have an answer for, and to be honest, a lot of the rest of the league doesn't either. That said, this stuff isn't really going to be, uh, you know, a, a basket of problems that gets solved in the off offseason. I, I think the first thing on my shopping list, of course, is going to be a new coaching staff, but who knows how much Winnipeg is really going to upset the cart. So if they're looking more at roster improvements as well, Obviously, the defense needs mobility. Everyone's like, we love Brendan Dillon, and he brings exactly what this team needs. And I don't really know that that's the case because Dillon's performance this year has been very up and down. He might be really gritty. He might be a, a guy who stands up for his teammates. But in terms of the defensive value and stuff that he brings, it's it's very mixed. Some nights he can be very competent and, you know, that strong safety valve for a more mobile back-end pairing guy. But other games... I feel like he's just making a lot of mistakes, really struggling to keep up with the pace and structure, and he's just not a really great fit for how the Jets actually play. I honestly think the Jets need to look at a Colorado for an example of how you can make your defense more focused through offense. You know, you've got a lot of end mobility that doesn't really like to defend inside the D zone, and kind of puts a lot of stress on Colorado's netminders, but because they spend so much time in the offensive zone and they're so fast, it's not usually that much of an issue. Colorado, you know, by by keeping the play up the ice, they are preventing uh, any sort of defending from really being a consideration for much of the game. And that's how I think the Jets should be. I think Winnipeg should more emphasize that rather than trying to be a traditionally shut down kind of team. I don't think that they really need that sort of play because if you if you're you know keeping the puck away from you, not only are you defending higher up the ice, but you're also creating offensive opportunities for yourself. And I think that's a philosophical change that this team has yet to really go through. They did it once before in 2017-2018 when the Jets would just constantly assault the uh, the offensive zone with waves of pressure and rolling all four lines consistently. That blue line was also a lot deeper and a lot more well-rounded, and you had, you had very strong, physical, gritty players, but they were also extremely skilled ones. Bufflin is not somebody that you can really replace, but I, I think he had the right mixture of brains, brawn, and mobility that made him such an invaluable asset for this team, and so... I look at the roster now and how it's constructed, and the Jets are nowhere near that. Um, The depth lines don't really contribute a lot. The uh, top six is a little bit inconsistent. The first line is usually kind of a disaster, even when it's scoring goals. The second line um, has had a few vulnerabilities in the past couple of weeks, but seems to be back on good form over the past few games. But then, like, lines three and four, they just don't really have enough punch, and the defense is all over the place. I mean... You're already dealing with a very complicated man-zone hybrid that changes assignments frequently, and the Jets don't really have the the defensive IQ and decision-making ability to handle a system that complicated, but the personnel also aren't really a fit for um, how this team should be playing either. So you've got a lot of issues, and I think this just shows how much better Colorado has been built and what the ideal for the Jets could potentially look like. It's not going to be an exact copy, but I think the Jets could start to push towards Colorado's direction with the right changes over the next couple of years. That, though, kind of sits in the far-flung future, and in the immediate present, the Jets did have one other game this weekend against the Arizona Coyotes, which, yeah, you know, despite a victory, it uh, <laughs> it wasn't nearly as good as I was hoping. We'll talk about why there were some concerning signs in just a little bit, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.net and why this should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs, especially as we're pushing through the regular season onto the NHL playoffs. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vesna trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh We are going to be closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on Arizona versus Winnipeg. This game, for me, I know it was a 5-3 win for the Jets, but if you actually watch this game, you might have noticed a funny trend, and that trend is Winnipeg getting outplayed by Arizona for much of the game. I'm not even kidding. Um, the Yotes were attacking the slot a lot, and honestly, just because they don't exactly have a lot of elite finishing talent, it was basically the only reason that Winnipeg even won this game. You could say that there were at least multiple high-danger high scoring chances that Um, Arizona missed maybe 2-3 to that somehow the Jets immediately countered and scored the other way on, thanks to some very clinical finishing and a bit of good fortune. But, yeah, this was not a convincing win, and I was a little bit disappointed to see just a a really limp performance from this team. In fact, the Jets were actually in a deficit until they eventually were able to tie it and, and pull ahead, but not really the most assuring performance. Um, in terms of highlight players, I would say I thought Evgeny Zvechnikov is looking pretty pretty nice alongside Dubois and Connor. That trio looks like it's clicking again. And what Zvechnikov really brings is just a really good, uh, solid two-way game that allows him to be defensively responsible, uh, but he's also very good on the forecheck, he's great along the walls, and he has very good hand-eye coordination, so he can pull off passes and stuff with relative ease. Especially when he's under pressure, because he's got such a strong, tall frame, and it allows him to kind of uh, maneuver and maintain possession of the puck, even while being hounded by, like, three guys, and he'll still find either Dubois or Connor in open space to set up a scoring chance. So, Zvech is, like, the perfect complementary winger, and I really feel like not using him more for the Jets was a bit of a crime, I know that it sounds really silly for a guy that most people think is like a third or a fourth liner, but I can promise you his skill set is so much more versatile and so much more effective than you realize. I think a lot of the reason that Zvech and Connor have been starting to click again is because they've got that savvy veteran experience on their flank that allows them to kind of expand their game, and Zvech will sort of clean up the rest. He's like the perfect Michael Froelich kind of player that if you know the Jets were a real contender, Zvech is the kind of guy that you would trade for to help make your depth and, and really push it over the edge. Comrie was mostly fine in his start. I I think Eric is, you know, a sufficient backup. There were people asking whether he should be like the next, uh, the next starter for, I, I guess, whenever the jets are playing again, which should be Tuesday. And it's obvious that it should be Hellebuck always, but the, the poll results were pretty narrow, I would say. So make of that what you will, this fan base. Sometimes I swear they, uh, they definitely have some interesting ideas. Hellebuck has really kept this team afloat for many years, and even if he's kind of having like a more average season for his standards, he's still one of the 10 or so best goalies in the NHL. So, yeah, always choose your starter, especially if he's like an elite franchise goalie. Other than that, not a ton to say. Wheeler scored, which was fun, but also that line got destroyed at even strength. So, (laughs) yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, Winnipeg is kind of at a strange state of being able to outscore its own issues, but if you actually face a real NHL outfit with the kind of performance the Jets had today, it's going to look more like Colorado's game on Friday. So, you know, the next couple of weeks, the Jets are just sort of waiting to start selling, I would imagine. It's not really the time to be buying Winnipeg as well out of the playoff race, and I think it would be wise for them not to even attempt to try to get back in. Call it a lost year, examine what you've got, start letting some guys go, and then talk about the hard questions in the offseason. I've maintained that position for several weeks now, maybe even a couple of months, but I, I think the the writing is on the wall for this team, and the only way to go uh, from here on is, is down, which is terrible to say in some ways, but ultimately I think it'll be you know beneficial in the long run for this team. Of course, I'm sure a few of you out there would rather see them make the playoffs. So be sure to let me know why at HLivingLoco and at lo underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. On tomorrow's episode, we'll take a look at the uh, the left wing trade bait uh, deadline stuff per ESPN. We've been doing some you know trade deadline trade bait discussion over the past couple of uh, past couple of weeks, and we still have many more positions to cover. And obviously, the lists have changed over the past couple of days, so we'll update you as they come in. But, again, for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steele Rodan and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite media, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!